This is Namina's Mental Health Mavens, where each week we bring you guests from the mental health, addictions, and holistic care community to talk about different issues and treatment modalities. Now, guests' opinions are their own, and some content might be triggering. With that, today's guest is Dr. Ryan Radwanski, or Dr. Rad as he is known. He is here to talk with us about brain injury and personality changes. Now, Dr. Rad is the co-founder of the Brain and Spine Group, and he also hosts the BSG YouTube channel. So let's welcome Dr. Rad to talk to us about personality changes and brain injury. Why don't we just dive right in? Because I know that a lot of our viewers are curious about brain injury and personality Mm -hmm. changes. So maybe you can start by letting us know what are the most common things you are seeing? Well, so when you have traumatic brain injuries, you know, it varies widely in terms of how severe an individual's injury is. You know, some patients have very minor, mild injuries, which kind of layman's terms, what we refer to as a concussion, something people are very familiar with. And a lot of times these patients, they don't even show up to the hospital. You know, there's lots of people have sports injuries. I have a personal friend who's tripped walking her dog and hit her head. And, you know, in general, you know, you recognize that you have some symptoms, but uh, these injuries are mild. And a lot of times you never see a doctor for them. But then you have traumatic brain injuries that range all the way up to patients who have severe extended periods where they've lost consciousness and those types of injuries and anything in between, because obviously you've got, you know, many degrees of moderation between that very, very mild case I described and the very extreme case where someone's almost comatose, you know, can result in any, that spectrum can give you a wide range of clinical presentations or symptoms that people experience from uh, from having a brain injury. You know, once you get more towards the moderate to severe end of that spectrum, it's typically when we start to see things like personality changes. And that generally results from the parts of the brain that are injured uh, when you have a more severe mechanism of injury that, that kind of lands you in that more uh, higher end of the spectrum. And that's where that answer your question. Yeah, that and this is where my curiosity goes. So a lot of our viewers know my own personal experience with mm-hmm. true crime, and I watch a lot of true crime, and and a lot of it they trace back to brain injury, and then this complete change that happened. So I'm guessing that's one end of the spectrum. But what are some mm-hmm. of the more subtle ways that it can show up? Well, some of the more subtle ways, like uh, for patients that have probably closer to that mid-range to um, just slight, maybe like mild plus type range. Patients that maybe don't have too many um, long-lasting effects from their brain injury. Their brain injury wasn't that severe, but they do notice some subtle changes. Um, probably some of the first things that they might notice would be probably more attention-related. They have trouble focusing um, you know, those longer sort of cognitive mental processes uh, that they felt like they could do no problem before their injury, they struggle with after their injury. And these are when patients come in and they really have a hard time describing kind of what their problems are, but they feel off. Sometimes they describe it feeling brain foggy, 
Uh, it really does vary from patient to patient, and that's just due to the complex nature of the biology of an individual's brain and how that biology is never injured in the exact same way for every single patient. So every patient has a unique brain and every patient has a unique injury. And when you take those two unique aspects and mix them together, uh, yeah, we find trends uh, between patients with brain injuries, but really there's no brain injury that's alike. You know, a brain injury is, you know, as kind of cliche as it sounds, is a snowflake, right? It's its own constellation of symptoms and uh, impact to that individual. And so just some of the more mild things we see are generally starts with like attention problems and, you know, sort of cognitive, uh, basic cognitive processing problems that are very mild, hard to grasp, but make the patient feel very off. And then on the other end, that being the anger and the violence and, and yeah, that, that's that lack of uh, what we call lack of imp- or loss of impulse control. Uh, tends to happen more towards that uh, upper end, obviously not, you know, there's, it doesn't take a severe brain injury to, you know, lose impulse control or have a lack of impulse control that leads to outbursts and anger, or, you know, some patients, they will shout things, they will not be able to sit down and just get up and pace. And and a lot of this loss of impulse control comes from, you know, damage to the frontal parts of the brain. Uh, And generally, yeah, that's starts to kind of show towards, you know, a step up in the injury severity. But that doesn't mean that it can't happen to somebody with a mild brain injury. It's just not as likely. It's all a game of probabilities. What are the general treatment protocols for, for this? So there's, I think it's hard to say that there's a single protocol, right? And this goes back to the idea that, you know, brain injuries are snowflakes, right? Everyone is different. Everyone's unique and everyone has different needs as a patient and how you address those needs depends on patients. um, Basically, where does the patient live? What types of services do they have access to? What is their financial ability to get access to those services? And sometimes it's just provider, I don't want to call it preference, provider style, you know, different doctors who take care of patients with uh, brain injuries, they'll have a differing perspective on, you know, what the best things are. Yeah, there's definitely consensus of how patients, um, what types of therapies and things like that are best for patients based on research that's been done. But not everything is known to the point where we boil it down to a very concrete protocol. And so different doctors have different opinions based on things that they've seen work or not work for their patients kind of more anecdotally over the course of their career. Um, You know, and so obviously a big component of therapy is working, you know, can be working with a neuropsychologist, um, creating pathways forward. Uh, you know, a, a, a good professional friend of mine, a Dr. Amanda Sachs Zimmerman at Cornell, you know, her big mantra in dealing with, you know, traumatic brain injury or, you know, really any brain injury, she deals more with like post neurosurgical brain injury. You know, obviously, if you're doing surgery on the brain, that kind of mimics brain injury. Um, you know, her mantra is we can't necessarily fix the injury, but let's identify what 
can what success can look like moving forward. And so that's the role that a neuropsychologist might play in a brain injury recovery patients path, but they're not the only one, you know, there's physical therapists, occupational therapists, speech and language pathologists and therapists. Now it's, and you know, the need for one or all of those specialists varies based on the patient and, you know, sort of what we call the deficits or, you know, the injury side effects that they have. It amazes me, the neuroplasticity of the brain. We, we do a lot of oh, that. Yeah. We work with a lot of the neuroplasticity and addictions and um, yeah, you can, you can rewire your brain. Oh yeah. I mean, that's a, it's a known phenomenon. I mean, obviously the younger you are, the more powerful that mechanism is. And that's why um, pediatric patients will, you know, given if, if two injuries could be exactly the same, but one existed in uh, an eight-year-old patient and one existed in a 40-year-old patient, that eight-year-old nine out of 10 times is going to always going to recover better because their brain is still developing. And when the brain is still developing it has such a capacity to basically just say like okay this pathway that i was going to normally take somebody put up a roadblock there we can't go that way let's just build around it and they just create new neural networks to do a lot of the things that that same injury in an adult that brain would never be able to do those things again now that being said there's plenty of children who have you know, long lasting effects from traumatic brain injury doesn't mean that they're not affected by this. Uh, But in general, the prognosis for their recovery is usually better. And it's because of neuroplasticity. Hmm. Well, you're American. I'm a Canadian. So we're not going to get into Well, technically, we're all American. We're in North America. (laughs) I'm from the United States. But we're all Americans. Different healthcare systems. (laughs) Sure. Different healthcare systems. So my next question would be resources. Mm -hmm. Where would you begin to point people if if they began to notice that there's something going on? Mm. Well, like you said, um, even just looking at, you know, Canadian healthcare system versus the U.S. healthcare system. Obviously, I have zero experience in a Canadian healthcare system, but in general, I would imagine if I had to just venture a guess, the Canadian healthcare system probably parallels maybe very little or maybe more than we realized, like the VA healthcare system here in the United States, which is basically government funded. You know, you're everyone sort of, you know, everyone that qualifies is a member of the healthcare system and has access to their benefits within the healthcare system. Now, obviously in Canada, that applies to everyone in the United States, that healthcare system applies to a limited uh, demographic of individuals. But I would imagine that there might be some functional um, parallels to draw, in which case, right, you're sort of at the mercy of the healthcare system. And that becomes, I honestly, I really truly feel that, um, you know, talking about, you know, the VA healthcare system, which is you know, an incredible challenge for veterans and especially for individuals with brain injuries, right? Brain injuries, the thing that allows you to be creative, to overcome obstacles cognitively, right? That thing is impaired, right? And so when the healthcare system like the VA system requires you to use the very part of your body that is impaired in order to really leverage the services being offered by the healthcare system. Now we kind of got a little bit of a problem, right? 
Um, and so that's why I think so many veterans with brain injuries often do struggle to even take advantage of the resources that are available to them through the VA healthcare system. Um, and so that's where I think case management and um, basically a healthcare advocacy becomes very important. You need people that are able to come alongside veterans with brain or spine injuries and help them creatively navigate the complex system that is the VA healthcare system. Yeah. Yeah. Same and, thing with Canada. We, you really yeah. do need to have an advocate and your doctor is quite often your, your best advocate. And we actually have a lot of um, programs and, and government funded nonprofit organizations that will help stand by you as well. And that's exactly what, you know, our nonprofit organization, Brain and Spine Group is aiming to do. You know, we see as a veteran myself, I see this problem. I deal with this problem myself as a patient. I just happen to be a doctor when it comes to stepping foot in the VA healthcare system. Uh, but being a patient in the VA healthcare system, being a doctor outside the VA healthcare system, I can see the importance of needing to come alongside veterans with these injuries and help them navigate the healthcare system. And that's what our nonprofit organization is aiming to do, uh, establishing veteran physician allies, people who are both veterans and physicians like myself, and creating that connection with veteran patients as a confidant, as somebody that can help them find the resources that they need inside a complex healthcare system. Uh, because even though the VA healthcare system provides case managers, not all case managers are going to be as, I don't want to use the word sympathetic, but as in tune to the needs of a veteran like another veteran is. And so I think as both a veteran and a physician, that small group of us puts us in a really unique position to help our brothers and sisters with these injuries in a way that traditional case management can't. So yeah, that's, I mean, resources is a big part of, of what we do. Yeah. And and I think we should have you come back on the show and talk about navigating the healthcare system for veterans. So we're veteran owned. Um, and actually, after this, I'm going to throw up a video military sexual trauma that we did uh, with mm. our clinical director, Lisa Kalko. And I just, yeah, it's it's a it's very near and dear to our hearts here. And, and we know how challenging it can be navigating the system. It is. And, you know, sadly, veterans are, you know, people who really need help. You know, they've got, there's a lot of resources. Uh, those resources can be improved, but we can't sit around and wait for those resources to be improved. We got to take advantage of the resources that exist and, you know, tell the government, you know, now we're taking advantage of what's there. Now give us more. You know, that's the approach we need to take here. Yeah. Yeah. As Canadians, we've been very vocal about wanting to add mental health to our health plan because it currently it's not, it's not included. Wow. That's you know, fortunately, mental health is included in the VA healthcare system. I can, you know, honestly talk about that a little bit from personal experience. It's a very poor experience. Um, and there's a lot of reasons you could get into as to why, but um, private mental health is still better, is much better than the VA mental health care system. Anything that you want to say uh, in closing, just to somebody who might be struggling with a brain injury and noticing personality changes and not knowing where to go, what to do, what's happening. Step one, tell anybody in your life. And this comes down to the fact that 
just like this idea that when sports athletes have concussions, when military experience concussions, we all have a fighter's mentality. We don't want to believe we're hurt. We want to stay in the game and we want to keep pushing. It takes, because that that, that very thing that allows you to understand what's going on is the part of your body that's hurt. You rely on the people in your life, the coaches, your teammates, your fellow Marines next to you in combat, or maybe it's your mom, your dad, your significant other, whoever. You need that person to override what your brain is struggling to understand because it's injured. And those people need to pull you out of the fight and help get you to the care that you need. So if you feel like something's off, but you're struggling to process where you need to go and what you need to do, you need to tell somebody in your life. That's step one. And let them help you. You know, if you don't have that person in your life, reach out to an organization. Uh, I can't speak for every organization out there, but I can speak for ours. And I can tell you that if someone genuinely reached out to me, even if you are not a veteran or fit within the, the demographics of our program, the least we're going to do is try to get you connected somewhere where, you know, they're more in line with whatever help it is that you truly need. We're, we're here. We're not going to leave it, anybody hang. Yeah, I love what you guys do. I'm also going to include in the description a link to your donation page because I know that you are a nonprofit. And yeah, yeah, definitely. All right. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Rod. This was fantastic. My sincere pleasure. Yeah. And I do hope that we get to see you again. Oh, I'm happy to do it anytime. Just let me know when. <laughs>